You're listening to Run Hard, Mom Hard, presented by Treeline Journal and hosted by Nikki Parnell and Steph Muniker. We're here to listen and share stories of motherhood and life from the trails from mamas who run ultra marathons. We hope to be a resource and encouragement to all moms who continue to show up, run, and chase their dreams even after having kids. It's not easy, and we'll talk about all the hard and real parts that make up this crazy lifestyle. But we're also here to celebrate and inspire each other to keep finding their inner mom strength that allows us to show this sport new levels of grit and show our kids that so much is possible. Welcome to another episode of Run Hard, Mom Hard. Today we have Ladia back on the podcast. You'll remember her from the previous episode. But before we talk more with her, Steph, how are you doing? I have been better. This week was pretty tough. Um, All the kids have coughs. Amelia hasn't been feeling good for a while. Um, And on Monday, her blood sugars were very high. Um, She was over 200 for six hours and she got up to 363. So like I've said before, the average is 80 to 140. Bad. So double. Yeah. And, and then everything I was reading was like anything over 300 can cause brain damage. And I'm like, Oh, (gasps) great. That's perfect. Like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Awesome. Oh, so we took her to urgent care. Um, they didn't really do much because it was coming down. Um, but now we have like a lab proof that she was at 200 or above. Um, and so we are meeting with an endocrinologist again, but it's at a different hospital because our other one wasn't very, wasn't Wasn't doing enough for you. Yeah. He was very like dismissive and I'm like, I just want, I want to make sure like we don't get to a bad place. Um, I'm not saying that she needs insulin now. I don't, I'd like if she didn't have insulin now, you know, cause I think it's okay. But if she's going to have these spikes up there, like even just a tiny little bit, just to keep her from going above 300 would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we have a meeting in like a week and a half. We'll kind of see what they say. Um, and then also on Monday, my dog cut her paw open really deep, like an inch and a half deep. So we had to get that sutured up and uh, <laughs> I've had to do dressing changes and we have to do more next week and she's on medication. And then, um, and then Henry has an ear infection and it's just been like <laughs> one thing after the other, what else is going to go wrong? And then bunnies ate some of my vegetables out of the garden. So I'm like, oh. no, I gotta go get more plants. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, that is anyway, a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, so I've only run like four miles this week, but you did just do a race. Yes, I did. You're right. I so it's okay. This is your recovery week for the run part. You know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. tell us about the race. So I was kind of disappointed because it was supposed to be a 50 K and, um, the superior hiking trail, it's been really cold up there, um, in Northern Minnesota longer than it has been normally. And they had a high snow year. So the frost wasn't coming out as fast as what they thought they were going to, as fast as they thought it was going to. And, um, 
so as it was melting, you could damage the trail really easily. So they didn't want 600 runners going on the spare hiking trail and ruining the trail. Hmm. So it got moved to this gravel road and it was just an out and back. Um, and then the day before the race, they're like, okay, I got an email from them and it was like update. And I'm like, dang it. Are you kidding me? They're going to cancel it now. (laughs) And, uh, the bridge, it was like two miles into the race for the outback, the bridge that we were supposed to cross for the rest of the race, the footings underneath got washed away because of all the flooding up there. So there, I mean, the bridge was like very wobbly and they're like, there's no way we could safely get that many runners across and we can't go through the river because it's flooded. And my gosh. So they're like, okay, well, we're completely changing it. They're like, you have entry into next year's race because we didn't get to do the hiking trail. And he said, if you want to come, you can come. We're just doing hill repeats. So like, <laughs> oh my God. Two miles up, two miles down. And, and it was really gorgeous. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a minimum maintenance road, so it wasn't anything, not even like a trail or anything, but we ended with this huge rock wall. And then Mm. you got to overlook like Lake Superior and there are these huge boulders. Um, it was really, really gorgeous. And I mean, it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of camaraderie just because you're going back and forth up and down. And, um, yeah, it actually went by super fast. So I got a little less than a marathon in, um, cause we had a wedding too. Perfect. So we just wanted to get to that without having to stress too much about it. Yeah. Um, and since it Understandable. wasn't, it wasn't yeah. really a race anymore. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of driving for hill repeats, like <laughs> eight hours in two days in a day, you know, <laughs> but you were going to go to the wedding anyway. Right. Yes. So, you yeah. know, yeah. maybe, and yeah, the, I mean, whatever I know. Yeah. Well, my first 50 miler was uh, the North face 50 in park city. Yeah. And that morning of the race, they changed the course. It was just one loop course. And it was like going up to a summit, but then they changed it to four loops of the half marathon course. (laughs) And people were pissed. I mean, people really, they were like, we're, I'm not doing this. Like I'll do like one loop, maybe two and then done. Or like, this isn't the race, but I was like, this is my first 50 miler. And I kind of, you know, signed up for it. I kind of want to do it, you know? So I just, you did the training and everything. Yeah. So I did it. Um, yeah. And it was still great and beautiful, but it, it's just interesting when you have to adapt to last minute changes. Yes, it is. I know. And it's, I mean, I was okay with it because I was just happy to be like kid free for yeah, a while and out there. Yeah. And Aaron and I, like I, I'll say in the podcast, like we went up there just us two and we slept in our car and and it was just so I don't know. It was easy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I had fun and um I wouldn't have changed it. So oh, good. And then I'll just do next year. So because yeah, now I won't yeah. have a lottery. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Good. Anyway, what's new with you? Yeah. So speaking of, um, like camping in your car, um, like, uh, I think it was like a week or two ago now. I don't really know. Um, I went over to the Valley in Oregon and raced a 25 K 
on the most beautiful trails. Oh my gosh. I mean, I literally, it was way more of a soul experience than a race. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, I just was, I was so elated like the whole time there were no low moments. I was just like <laughs> joyous like, yeah. to be out there. I mean, it was because we live in the high desert. It's mm-hmm. the colors around here are a lot more like brown, sage green, you know, muted, mm-hmm. but like over there, it's like, like your eyes almost hurt and feel like they're going to fall out of your head because the, the ferns are so green and the moss and the, like, everything's alive. Like, like it would swallow you up. Yeah. You know, if you laid still too long, like you'd get covered in plants or something. Yeah. That's my Um, dream. Yeah. Just covered in plants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like let's lay on this bed of ferns. Yeah. Swallowed. Anyway. So it was so much fun. And I camped in my car and I just went alone without. Oh my gosh. And I literally just was just happy. Mm. You know, it just felt so, um, recharging. Good. Yeah. And, and the race went pretty well. Um, I did, I got third, um, after, well, a girl that I didn't know. And then, um, one of my good friends, Christina, who I run with, she got second and she she did awesome. And she's like a postpartum runner too. Yeah. Um, I believe her son was maybe like 10 months at the time nice or something. Yeah. Like just so proud of everyone for making it to the start line that also did, um, a lot of the farther distances got rerouted due to Mm -hmm. like snow and rainy like it, it's been like the most rain there in like some like 40 years or something like that oh, so um and it was really muddy and <laughs> you just kind of yell as like you're like fall sliding down hills yeah. and you have to like use trees to like turn your direction mm-hmm. <laughs> like purposely run into them anyway yeah. it was yeah. a great time very That's muddy so um and then and then uh last week we went to um our favorite place on the Oregon coast and as a family, and then also with my parents. And so that was really cool because, uh, Chase and I got to run together. We got three runs in. Yeah. And just again, beautiful trails or like the beach. Mm -hmm. And it just was, it was lovely. Um, much needed. Yeah. And just our kids love the ocean. It's just so easy to like be a naturalist over there. I feel like, because Mm -hmm. there's just, there's so many things to do and see and learn about. And, you know, I mean, we saw whales and seals and, Mm. you know, tide pools and yeah. um, I just love it over there. It's our happy place. So yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's so fun. I'm happy for you. Thanks. And me too for you. Um, Except for this last week. And then in which I'm sorry. And I feel like this week has been, just um, a haggard mess for me as well. Um, yeah. Just like getting back to reality. I swear I have done six loads of laundry this week, just this week. And I don't know how that's possible, but it's like, you know, little things like, oh, fell in with the bed. So then you're doing that laundry and then you're doing mm-hmm. these clothes and then oh, pulling out new clothes, new sizes for Greta and just like washing and washing. And I'm like, this is mentally torturous. Oh, I hate laundry. Yeah, me too. It's like my least favorite thing. Yeah. Besides grocery shopping. <laughs> I don't mind grocery shopping if I don't have kids. Oh yeah. We'll see. That's, that's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. And I, the store that I normally order my groceries at and I pick up is like seven days out for pickup. Normally it was like the next day they would have stuff. 
it's seven days out. And I'm like, I don't know what I need. Like, no, I don't know what I need seven days from now. Like I can't I want predict the things now. <laughs> yep. Yep. No. So, yeah. So anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know, you know, it's always a mix. It's like yeah. of wonderful goodness and oh my gosh, can I make it through this day? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So like I mentioned before, we have Ladia Albertson Junkins back on the podcast. Um, last, you know, she is an incredible runner. She's an FKT holder, Olympic marathon trials runner. Just a, she's amazing. Um, Ladia is a huge advocate for the brave light Gabe foundation. Um, because Gabe Grunewald was Ladia's best friend. Many of you have probably heard of Gabe. And especially if you listen to last episode, you can hear more about Gabe there. Um, she passed away in 2019 from rare cancer. Um, and so, yes, so we heard a lot about that now this time, because we didn't get to everything last time we hear more about motherhood and Canyon's 100 K. Ladia, as usual, has great stuff to share with us. Mm-hmm. Stuff. That's such an inadequate word, but yeah. go with it because that's where my brain's at. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's so fun hearing her perspective on things. Yeah. And really, um, I think bonding, you know, it, it, the way she describes things, I feel like bonds us all like in yeah. motherhood, like together, yeah. because yeah. it is a lonely journey but we're also connected through this, these things that we experience Mm -hmm. just like ultra running. Like you connect with people through doing a hard thing. Motherhood is also really hard Mm -hmm. and we're doing it. So anyway, give this one a listen, grab your coffee, get out the door for a long run, whatever. Enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Treeline Coffee. They are a women-owned, ethically sourced coffee roaster out of Bozeman, Montana. They make the most delicious mom fuel, and we have our very own coffee blend called You Got This, where you can fuel up, run hard, mom hard, and repeat, because all of life's adventures deserves good coffee. So go to treelinecoffee.com, use code RUNHAR10 for 10% off your order and fuel up. Yeah, it's literally a cup of encouragement for you to get through this life. (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to see you again. I've actually missed you both. So this is wonderful to be back here and chatting with you. You're just the sweetest. (laughs) I know. That makes my heart so happy. I know. We missed you too. I can hear you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to get to be back with you today. We're, um, our goal is to, um, you know, keep it to a relatively normal time frame um to respect <laughs> your time and and everyone's but um yeah we wanted to touch on motherhood and canyons with you today and so ladia um how is motherhood going for you right now 
it is a wonderful challenge. I really enjoy challenges and motherhood is very challenging. Um, and that doesn't mean it's bad or negative. Um, cause I do think a lot of times people connotate the word challenge with, you know, more negative things. Um, and I think one thing that has really stuck out to me since becoming a mother is just how many prescribed narratives there are out there that people expect you to fit within and expect you to embody. And I've tried to be really intentional about first just identifying when I feel like a narrative is being imposed on me and when someone is coming at me with a certain expectation. Um, and then I try to pause and like give myself time and space to decide, does that resonate with me? And if not, like, how am I going to create my own and um, try to represent the experience I'm having in my own way, which means I'm going to like stumble a lot. And I'm, it, it also, I think can be difficult to articulate something when you're trying not to fall into these prescribed narratives or these like kind of crafted scripts. And that's why it's, it's very um, understandable that we sort of like lean on those ways of saying things that other people, like the language that other people have used to describe something. Um, I'm being a bit vague. So one example I'll give is um, specific to running, you know, during pregnancy, a lot of people would say to me, oh, you're just going to bounce right back hmm. from your pregnancy and like, you're going to come back to running. And there was all like that word back just comes up everywhere. It does. And that doesn't resonate with me. Um, and from the beginning of pregnancy, even I made a commitment to myself that I want to embrace my body, my experience as it is in the moment, knowing that it is changing minute to minute, second to second. Um, and I want to stay in this present moment. And um, I want to also like embrace the change that's occurring. And I don't see that as a, like a disservice to the other pieces of my life that are important to me, including running. Like I don't see the changes in pregnancy as a disservice to my running that I then have to like overcome um, and like, so for me personally, it was really important to reframe kind of the narrative that I felt like people were imposing on me of like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna have these setbacks during pregnancy or in your postpartum. And the objective is to like, get back to the runner you were before you were pregnant. And the way that I see it, like for me, I don't want to go backwards. I don't need to be the person I was yesterday or 10 years ago, um, nor do I like ever want that, right? Like whether I'm, I've been pregnant or in postpartum or not, like that's not what I'm trying to move towards. Like I want to see who I am today, embrace who I am, where I am today um, and every day moving forward. And not only that, but I also think everything that we go through can like benefit us. Um, within reason, right? Like there are obviously things that really do harm us. Um, but yeah, so the whole like 
running through pregnancy and in postpartum, like I never left running. I've always identified as a runner, whether I'm running or not. And like, that goes all the way back to when I first really started identifying as a runner. Like there were times, there were stretches of times when I didn't run, right? Like whether I was injured or whether I was taking um, a much needed break from running to allow my body to recover, which is super important. And, you know, like a chosen break rather than a forced break. Um, during those times I wasn't running, I didn't think anything less of myself as a runner. And I certainly didn't stop identifying as one or looking forward to the next run I got to do or the, you know, my future racing or whatever. And like the same is true for pregnancy for me and postpartum for me. Um, there was certainly stretches throughout pregnancy where I didn't run very much, if at all, because um, I was really just trying to take things one day, one moment at a time. And as you both know, and listeners know, like it is such a roller coaster and you just can feel wildly different from moment to moment. And mm -hmm. in my commitment to honor that, like if a moment did not feel good running, like I'm going to stop running, I'm going to walk, I'm going to do whatever. Um, and if in a moment it felt okay to be running, I would you know, honor that too. Um, so, and, and like the idea of things moving backwards and forwards also just didn't resonate with my experience of change. Um, like this wasn't on some like linear plane, right? Um, there's like, it's just so dynamic and that dynamicism actually felt really powerful for me. Um, and like something I could kind of channel and hone and sort of like store up as a reserve for the future, which I, you know, expect to need and certainly have needed to tap into in motherhood itself, because <laughs> motherhood really challenges all of our perceived limits, you know, my perceived limits of my patients. Um, like when my child is whining for the second hour straight and I'm solo parenting and can't figure out what it is my child wants. And yet I surprise myself that like, when I speak to this child who I feel very like frust, I, I feel frustrated about the situation. And I find myself speaking to my child so compassionately. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, who is this person that's not losing her cool in this moment? And there are certainly times, obviously, when I do get short um, or like don't have compassion in my voice. But I think I'm more often than not surprised by the patience that is somehow there with me. And like, I had no idea that it was there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's similar to when you have these really difficult moments, maybe emotionally or in the thick of a loss and in the thick of grief where you tap into a strength that you didn't know you had and you find yourself doing something that you didn't think you were capable of. That's a lot of moments in parenthood for me um, and just kind of continually surprised by that. Um, I'll stop there because I feel like I've been rambling. <laughs> <laughs> that was not rambling. I, no. I, it, it was, it was very good. Yes. <laughs> it was meaningful stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, so I feel that everything you're saying, like, yes, yes. Like just the, <laughs> I mean, and how, um, 
you know, we're trying to fight with those against those, um, like those narratives you were talking about, Mm -hmm. um, like bouncing back. We've, we've gone on on so many of our own personal journeys with just, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, postpartum and recovery and how it's not, it's not how you think it's going to be necessarily. And, Mm -hmm. and I like your perspective on, and like, like channeling change and, and, and growth, you know, because we are like moving forward and we're learning every day with Mm -hmm. everything we're going through and, and like honing that for later, I need to be working on that because I feel like uh, these days in particular this week, Steph and I were talking about it. Like it's been a week. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, being pretty short and everything, but I could use some some channeling uh strength but this is like a good reminder just to I don't know think about that yeah well I hope the reminder is that it's there yeah not that like you have to do anything special Mm -hmm. that it's already there and also too like I wouldn't want what I said to make you feel guilty like you're not doing something right like just because I do get short with my kid or I do feel pushed over the edge or whatever it might be like, that's all valid Mm -hmm. and totally understandable, especially in motherhood. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like such a hard thing to communicate. Um, And kind of getting back to like those, those scripts and those narratives, it's like, there's, it feels like there's not a lot of opportunity to, to talk about like, just the breadth and depth of the experience of motherhood, because so often if, if we want to just have a frank and candid conversation about a particular challenge related Mm -hmm. to motherhood, we also feel this external pressure to like follow it up and bookend it with gratitude. Right. Mm -hmm. And as if the gratitude isn't always there and like so deeply felt. And I actually feel like the external pressure that is put on us to overexpress our gratitude kind of cheapens it. It's mm-hmm. like, I already feel that I don't need to prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And also like, why does someone feel like they're owed that yeah. like, or entitled right. to it when, you know, we're just having a, a candid conversation about an experience that like, we're mm-hmm. all trying to process and move through. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I do feel like that's kind of a thing that like we end up being controlled by a little bit. Yeah, Definitely. I was, I was reading a, I think it was like a parent page on Facebook or something. And someone commented about an experience that they had and that they were talking about how hard it was. And someone commented back and was like, if you didn't something about if you didn't expect this, or if you didn't realize this was going to happen. Like, why'd you even have kids? Or like, if you're feeling this way, why'd you even have kids? <laughs> like, yeah, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no. And I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's silencing, it's dismissive and yeah. it's not helpful. And even if it's unintentionally dismissive, it is still dismissive. Yeah. Um, and it minimizes what you're going through and it makes you less likely to feel safe bringing it up again when the reality is like we we need these opportunities to process which is why I just appreciate so much what you both are doing with this space that you've created because this is a a rare place where we can have candid conversations 
I hope so. Yeah. I mean, we love that stuff. And, and because it is so, I mean, like we were talking about last time, how life is all the ands we can Mm -hmm. feel all the ands of everything and that's okay. And it doesn't mean we don't love our kids and it doesn't mean we don't love being a mom, you know, and it's just, um, it's, it is so hard when you feel like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like guilt or something like guilt at having a hard time and really yeah. it's okay to have a hard time because life yeah. is hard, you know? Yeah. And all the guilt does is like add a layer of soft suffering on top of what might be deep suffering. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. that guilt is like something that we can free ourselves and one another of, like, we don't have to be thrusting that on one another. So questions, um, how, how, what, what do you think would be a way that like, we could all kind of push back on that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like not let that seep in or like be silenced in those ways, or, you know, like, do you have any tips on that? Like what we can do, what language we could use to just like stand up for ourselves there. <laughs> sure. I'll give you three, three ways. No. Um, <laughs> point A, I, point B. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll start by saying like, I kind of have a general rule for myself that I don't like to give unsolicited advice. So I'll mm-hmm. just speak from my personal experience and like what I do individually, personally, and people can take that or leave that because I think the most important part is like empowering one another to make Mm -hmm. kind of those decisions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But for me, it goes back to, I think what I said earlier of, I, I really try to, I like commit to seeing like when I feel an expectation being imposed on me or a like language or a narrative being imposed on me, I try to give myself a pause and the time to reflect on like, does that resonate with me? And if not, I'm going to reject it. And rejection doesn't always look, it doesn't even always, it's not obvious to anyone maybe, but myself, but I'll just kind of make a note of it and then be like, okay, well, what language or words does resonate more with my experience? And I might not be able to respond in the moment because sometimes it's like something's hitting me for the first time and I need some time with it. Um, Sometimes though, something hits me and I immediately know that's not how that doesn't resonate with me, but here's something that's maybe a little bit closer to my experience. So in the example of like, oh, you're going to bounce right back or like, Hey, Laddie is back. Like I saw that a lot after my first race, you know, and I wanted to be like, I never left. And, um, and again, I'm, I'm not blaming people for using this language because it is everywhere and it's it's the language that we're given to make sense of our experiences. So I totally get it. And I think we can empower ourselves and one another to decide whether it works for us or not. And if it doesn't feel like it works, take, like, give yourself the permission to figure out what feels a little bit closer to your true experience. And so for me, I'm just really intentional specifically about like how we talk about postpartum running. Um, I try really hard not to use the bounce back language. 
Um, and that might resonate for other people. And like, that's great. I hope that you just can find something that resonates with you and for you in your particular experience. Um, and, and I try to, when I, I try to be really intentional about celebrating when I feel like someone has honored something that feels closer to my truth. And so a good example actually being, I did a pre-race interview for Canyons with Megan Hicks, um, founder of I Run Far. And she asked me, I'm, I'm not going to remember exactly, but I remember that she used the term like adjusting to running. And it struck me that she didn't use the word, you're back to running, like you're back to ultras. And so I took like that opportunity to thank her for using the word adjusting and, you know, explicitly say that like that resonates much more with me than framing it as like, I'm back to something. And, and so like, I think it's as important to identify when something doesn't work for you and as it is important to like celebrate when something does. And so it's sort of like that positive reinforcement, right? Like, oh, we're, get, we're moving away from, you know, a narrative that is outdated and offensive mm -hmm. to me um and we're moving closer to something that like resonates more with my experience mm -hmm. perfect okay <laughs> <laughs> I love it I yeah that's I love that it's great um just and you know honestly like we have a lot of impact on the people that we're around you know just, mm -hmm. just by talking and being in community and and so I like to think that you know, a little thing like that, like saying, oh, thank you for saying it that, that way and putting it that way, you know, that, that probably stuck with some people and then it, it sticks with the people there around. And then, you know, it's like kind of like the ripple effect of yeah. just kind of approaching some of these subjects in a more like meaningful way for us. And, and I think, um, maybe at least for me, like, I guess I wouldn't have, um, it wouldn't have stuck in my brain that she said adjusting versus bouncing back. But the fact that you like said, thank you to her and other people could hear that will be mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I like that a lot better than bouncing back or what another phrase. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So I was wondering though, while we're on the topic of adjusting to running and um yeah kind of moving forward with that after having a baby how was like the physical postpartum recovery for you um so i ended up needing a surprise c section um because gabe wasn't tolerating my contractions and so my delivery experience uh was <laughs> just like a total whirlwind of like things changing really, really quickly. Um, and thankfully everything went well. And the most important thing to me was having a safe, alive baby, um, through the delivery process. Um, and that was what happened. So that was great. So I bring that up just because my recovery included recovering from the C-section, um, mm -hmm. which as you all know, is a major surgery. And I definitely experienced the impact of that. Um, and that said too, I was also blown away by my body's resilience and um, 
just the experience of recovering from that surgery where, you know, the first five days were incredibly painful and intense physically and overwhelming. Um, And it was striking to me that within a week, I did notice a change, not like healed, obviously, but it just surprised me by how um, noticeable the difference was within a week. Um, And then, you know, following protocol and giving myself plenty of time to let the, let my body like heal from that surgery. Um, and really as I did with pregnancy, trying to take it one moment at a time. And, you know, if I felt myself thinking too far ahead, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, maybe catastrophizing too far ahead and then trying to bring myself back to the moment and just taking it one step at a time, um, and reminding myself how far I've already come and, So that was, that really, I think, defined probably the first month and a half of my postpartum experience. Um, And then once, you know, the physical part from, of the C-section was more in the background um, and I started like walking and then working in some very light jogging um, around that six week mark. I again recommitted to like taking it one moment at a time, not getting, not wanting to rush things, not trying to get too far ahead of myself. Um, and so it, it started with, I think like, I think I did like three miles total the first week that I tried running. And then, um, I committed to like, I never wanted to double my, um, running from the week prior. And so like the most I would add on for the next week would be like five miles tops. So then it was like the next week I ran five miles total, like across the seven days. And, um, so it was really, that was, that was my general approach, um, for running in my postpartum experience. Um, and you know, I would say, up until about four-ish months postpartum, five-ish even, um, running felt really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt out of shape, but I knew that I wasn't. And so I tried to, again, keep reminding myself, like this feeling that I have is not a lack of fitness, is not a lack of strength. This is the, what I, what I think is probably just like a very natural way for the body to feel given the experience that it's been through and is, is still going through. And, um, cause I think if, if we, I think the risk in, in assuming that it's fitness related is that then like you think, oh, well, the solution is to like run more or train harder. And for me, in my experience, I don't think that it was fitness. It was just like, this is going to feel weird and hard and that's great. And like, again, stay with it right now. Um, it's going to change and, um, yeah, just embrace it. Um, and it was probably by six months where I felt like, okay, 
Um, I feel like I can go out for a run and not notice too much what my body feels like, hmm. if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it's just like these incremental changes that would happen over time. And, you know, in the moment, it can feel like the change is happening, happening slowly. Um, but then if you even zoom out like a week or two weeks or a month, you're like, oh, actually, this is happening really quickly. And like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. And I know that's not everyone's experience. Um, it was my experience. Um, but I, I don't know, I just like enjoyed embracing it for what it was. And I tried to more than anything, just kind of stay rooted in embracing it for what it was. Yeah. Do you think it's like our body's way of being like, nope, you need to slow down right now. Like you just need to, even though we're, we're feeling, I don't know. I know you said like, um, it kind of, you physically, you were okay to run, but I feel like mentally we're like, no, like something's telling us to not push it too hard. Cause then we could get hurt. Yeah. That. And I mean, I think that's why maybe the word adjustment did resonate because there, there is a lot of adjusting that's happening all the time in pregnancy. And then in those early to middle months of postpartum. Right. So it's like, I, and it changed even like within a run, there would be parts of a run where maybe structurally I felt a little awkward and, and then all of a sudden that would kind of dissipate. And then all of a sudden I'd start to feel this anxiety that I was too far away from my baby. Hmm. And, um, then that would start to dissipate. So it was, it was like every run was also its own journey because (laughs) (laughs) there could be so many things that would happen over the course of a three or four mile run. Um, and I don't know, like the only thing that I could come up with was like just embracing it. And (laughs) there, there are other ways too, but, um, that's just what like resonated with me, I guess. Well, I feel like that's a very kind way to go about it because we get so impatient, you know, Mm. I mean, and, and because of the cultural words of Mm -hmm. bouncing back and getting back quick, you know, trying to run as soon as you can, you know, like a fear of being quote unquote weak or not recovering or like the body just not doing what you want it to do. Or like, I don't know, there, there is a fear in woman, I think. And so I think, um, gosh, I mean, I just, I just would hope for all of us that we could be kind to ourselves in, in giving our body the credit it deserves because it has done a lot, a lot, and it's running on low sleep and it's recovering from surgery or natural birth or whatever. Um, I mean, it's, and all the hormones. Yes. yes. <laughs> Seriously. Breastfeeding. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I think I, uh, I love well, and I, that. yeah. And I think the other um, risk of kind of the bounce back narrative is that it sets up an expectation for how you think you should feel. Mm-hmm. And to me anyway, what it implies is like, oh, you should feel totally fine. You shouldn't notice any effect from having been pregnant for basically 10 months and then mm-hmm. having a human come out of your body. 
<laughs> but like that is like when you when you think through it, you're like, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Like, of course, I'm gonna feel the effects of that. Mm-hmm. I would hope. I, rem- I remember like those first runs feeling like so disjointed, like disconnected. Yes. Like yes. my legs don't even feel attached to my body yeah. or, yeah. you know, or like something's going <laughs> to fall out or I don't yeah. know. It's just, and yeah. then I, and then you do slowly, you, you get stronger. I think like every day, it doesn't necessarily feel like that though, right. you know, wait, cause running just feels hard and mm-hmm. you're stumbling through it a little bit. Um, and maybe like you feel heavy, but then, um, then you do hit that blissful point where you're like, oh yeah, I'm actually not thinking about my body that much, anymore, Yeah, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, just like, I think it's, again, it just sort of like adds this layer of guilt. If you feel like you're not feeling the way you expect to feel. Mm -hmm. And then it can send you into a spiral of like, well, why not? Is it a shortcoming on my end? Like, what am I doing wrong? If people said Mm -hmm. I was going to feel fine and I, I don't, I feel different and I feel awkward and I feel whatever. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not an athlete anymore. Yeah. I've lost it, you know? Yeah. And then that turns into, I've lost it forever, which Mm -hmm. I worry can be a reason why women in particular might stop doing an activity that they love, Mm -hmm. um, during pregnancy or after pregnancy, because we are, I mean, that is a message that we're fed, right? Is that like, it's over for you. Um, Mm -hmm. you're never going to be the same. And I'm like, good. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be the same person that I was before Gabe died after she died. Like, I don't want to be the same person that I was before Gabe was born after Gabe was born. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so again, I think it's just like giving myself permission and space to like check in with what's being thrust on me and whether that really resonates or not. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gabe, your son is (laughs) named after Gabe Grunewald, right? Yep. Um, did how'd you come like decide on that and I think that's beautiful just to say thanks (laughs) yeah well as I think you're learning about me I like overthink or just think a lot about things and like I'm very into meaning and uh connection and just like that there's more than we really see with our eyes Mm -hmm. um and so names in particular are like very meaningful to me. Um, and I mean, I pretty much knew as soon as I was pregnant that I wanted to honor my friend Gabe Grunewald some way, um, in, in like my child's life. And I think it took me some time to sort of land on what that might look like. Um, and then it being reflected in his name among other ways. Um, And so my partner, Adam and I like had started talking pretty early on about Gabriel as like a top contender and why that was important and meaningful to me. And Adam is such a sweetheart and wonderful person. And he was totally on board with that too. And then I talked to Gabe's parents, Lauren Kim about it. I talked to Gabe's sister, Abby about it. Um, And they're, 
you know, their sign off on it meant everything to me. That was most important. And if they would have had any, you know, just like discomfort or reservation about that, I would have honored that. Um, so, and then I would say like, as pregnancy went on and as I got closer to the delivery, and I think as I was simultaneously experiencing the grief of losing my friend, Gabe Grunewald and the joy and everything else that comes with anticipating a new life, um, in our family. Um, there were so many paradoxes as we talked about last time and like, it just, it felt like this is so cheesy, but I mean, it really feels like birth and death feel like such a circle. Right. And, um, and then naming my son after my best friend also felt very, um, like a beautiful circle. Um, and I think that Gabe Grunewald would have just gotten a kick out of me naming my son in particular, like even more so than a daughter, but naming my son after her, because a fun aside is that actually Gabe Grunewald's original birth given spelling of her name is the G-A-B-R-I-E-L, um, which is generally considered like is more often given to males, male Gabriels. And so yeah. she, um, at some point in like in her life decided she wanted to add an E on the end. And she did actually legally change the spelling of her name to have that E um, legally recognized when she changed her name to from Anderson to Grunewald when she got married. And I was the witness at that <laughs> legal proceeding to change oh her God. name. And so it's just like, it's fun that I had been a part of you know, kind of what her name meant to her over mm -hmm. time. Um, and that my son, Gabriel, could actually have the same spelling that she had when she was born, which her mom also really got a kick out of because uh, her mom is like me and likes to think about those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so his name ha doesn't have the E on the end? It does not have the E. So okay. it's, it's the same spelling as the spelling when she was born. Okay. G-A-B-R-I-E-L. Gabriel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So why not with the E on the end? Um, because that was her flair. Yeah. Um, okay. you know, like, like yeah. Um, and I think one thing from her perspective was like she wanted to give it a feminine flair, which I love that mm -hmm. that was her choice. It wasn't like she believes that she has to have a feminine name. It was just that she wanted to have that E there to distinguish, like to make it feel more fitting for her. Like, mm -hmm. and that was totally Gabe. Like she did things on her own terms and it, yeah, she, it didn't matter to her, like <laughs> what other people thought about that. It was like, what feels right for me and represents me. Yeah. And so I hope my son feels that same um, permission and freedom in his own life. Right. Um, like that's like a small kind of anecdotal example of it, but I do hope to like raise him in that way. Oh yeah. Oh, and you yeah. will for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you will, but no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just be, just being you. You, will. you don't have to do anything thank you. special. <laughs> thank you. Yes. I do believe the same that like the most important thing we do as mothers is be ourselves. And, and I hope that by showing him my full humanity, he 
A, will see my full humanity, but also that by seeing my full humanity, he'll see everyone else's and his own. And quite frankly, like the world needs more of that, especially in white males, in my opinion. Um, and so that's, that's something I try to come back to is like yeah. showing him my full humanity. I definitely show my kids my full humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always pretty, <laughs> but it's okay. But it's good to talk about. I mean, yeah. and I yeah. feel like I didn't really have those conversations growing up. Like I never saw totally. my mom. I never saw my mom cry or get yep. frustrated. Like she would go away. Yeah. And even like, I was, um, like, don't see the emotions. Yeah. Like you're always happy. I always said yep. she was like a white picket fence. Like everything was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, we, well, this was just a few weeks ago. We were talking about my grandpa. He has some medical problems going on and, and I started crying and she's like, don't cry in front of the kids. And I'm like, why can't I cry in front of the kids? Like it's oh, something yeah. that's sad and that it's mm. human to cry. Yeah. I don't want them to grow up thinking that they can't cry when something right. makes them sad. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And I'm, and like, it's all those little moments that show our children how to grieve, which we know, I mean, grief is something that is with you your whole life. And really like the more time that passes, probably the more things you're going to have to grieve about. And like, so it's a really important part of our lives. And it's, it's just so important that we like know how to do it. And it seems simple, but like, we don't show each other how to do it. Yeah. You're going to do it in kind of like a, a healing way or bad. Like, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of, um, Un- unproductive ways to grieve. Yeah. You know, it seems you get like lost. self-destructive, like yeah. there's, there's a lot of self-destructive things that can happen when we don't know how to grieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I don't want like my mom to listen and be like, you think I'm a bad mom? Cause she was not a bad mom. Not but I think that's no. a lot of no. how the culture was before, yes. like when we were yes. growing up Yes, and we're starting to take a different stance and say like, it's okay to be yep fully human in front of your children. Yes. And there were reasons why a lot of people felt they had to be that way too. Right. So like, I have a great deal of compassion for people who raise their children that way and respect because like, again, it is not my place to tell anyone else how to do this really challenging, overwhelming, confusing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also like, we're going to have, hopefully our kids someday will talk about all of the things that we did that they are now trying to do differently. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're doing the best you can with the information yeah. that you have and yep. the amount of mental strength that you, yeah. you know, where you are in your life. No and the what. messages that you've been given and like the ways you've been shown or told how to be, um, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll all come full circle. Well, I just love that feeling when things do. Um, so how have you been, um, like mentally in postpartum land? Yeah. Um, I alluded to this a little bit, but really the first probably six months, um, I did notice this 
anxiety that I would get around leaving the house and my baby. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing obviously like some of that is confounded by the pandemic too. We all kind of felt anxiety leaving the house. Like, Ooh, is, is this okay? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing like to make it concrete, one example being when I did start to feel like when running was starting to feel better and I was, you know, very gradually increasing my weekly mileage and kind of the first couple of times I was like, I am physically ready to try a longer run, which at that time was, you know, 10 miles, 12 miles. Um, I'm, I'm physically ready for that. And the thought of it though, was like really overwhelming. Um, especially the thought of like doing it on trails and, and getting far away and not being immediately available if I was needed, which I recognize like my privilege in like feeling that way and actually not being ever immediately needed. Um, you know, like my baby was safe and didn't, there wasn't actually an urgent true need. It was more like the anxiety that was probably partially hormonal, but also I think maybe like pretty common in that postpartum phase. I don't know what it was. I don't know like the science behind it, but, um, so so the first couple of long runs that I did because of that, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to like push this. I don't need to like stress myself out. I'm going to, again, like I'm going to honor how I'm feeling. I don't feel like getting that far away, but I do want to like try physically doing this 12 mile run. So I'm going to figure out a way to like make loops that give me like more of a sense that like I could change my mind more quickly. I could like be available if I, if I wanted to, which was really more for like my mental well-being, not so much like a real actual need to be immediately available. Um, and so that's what I did. Like, and then the first, and you know, I gradually built up. And then the first time I tried to do 20 miles, um, I again, tried to figure out a way where I could feel like I was still close enough to my baby for like, for my peace of mind. Um, and just like honoring the fact that like, I don't emotionally, I just don't feel ready to be this far into the woods, this far away, this unreachable. Um, and like everything else, like that evolved over time and it wasn't like that forever right um and yeah but that was definitely like a very like salient experience that I was having those first six months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I like that you respected that because yeah that's another thing we kind of think we just need to kind of suck it up and you know but like the confidence grows you know as we grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and like giving, you know, pushing myself to, to still, you know, recognize that, um, that my baby can exist without me. And this gets to a, a larger issue, which I'll just say, as soon as Gabe was born, I started writing this journal for him that basically like in my mind is like preparing him for when I'm dead. And it's like something for him, um, to like walk him through or to feel like I'm there with him in his grief. And obviously that's in part 
like me kind of compensating for feeling like something that I needed or could have benefited from. But so there's like this bigger issue of like trying to recognize that I'm not holding everything together. Like I am not essential for my child to survive. Like my child can survive without me. And that's like really important for me to be like constantly um, remind myself of because it's like a letting go and an acceptance that's like part of a bigger process of at some point I am going to leave him hopefully I mean like best case scenario right is that I Mm -hmm. leave him and -hmm. not the other way around and um, so I sort of (laughs) like put it into this larger context of like here's an inconsequential place for me to practice letting go and to practice like knowing that my child can continue living without me. And like this is running is a safe place to practice that for the eventual like moment when that happens in, you know, a much more final sense. So I feel like I went really dark on that, but <laughs> it, it is a big thing. That's yeah. that is heavy. And there's space for that here. So it's okay. Okay. Um, Like, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, like, I, I feel like it's, yeah, very, that's a hard thing to grapple with. I'm sure there are no parents out here that haven't thought about that though. Right. Really. And worried about that. And I, I mean, you can't like as a mom, I mean, yeah. And, and just like, there's a lot of sweetness there, you know, Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, I don't know, having that for your son and then also processing through that, um, intentionally, I think that's beautiful and really hard. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think running is a place where I can practice Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that feels inconsequential. Right. Um, and so hopefully building that, muscle for when it's really needed um in the hard moments that like I don't have control over yeah yeah that's good so switching gears let's talk about canyons since it was your most recent race and an awesome race how was like the training the build-up to this I mean it was a big deal it's a big deal really big deal. Yep. It was my first hundred K postpartum and it was right about 17, 16 months postpartum. Um, Oh, can I preface this real quick? Yeah. by saying that you did win Chuck a nut. Um, was it like a month before Canyons? Yeah. Like a months? month before a month. Yeah. Before, I don't even know time. Who yeah. Knows? yeah. It was March. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably great too, but, um, I do just want to throw that out there to the world because you're awesome and it's fun to brag about you. Okay. Continue. Thank you. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, uh, deciding to do a hundred K and then being there for it and deciding to show up on the start line and see what happened felt like a big milestone for me. Um, and I think like, any 100k in particular, any ultra, but any race, really, there's always that level of doubt, like, can I get to the finish line? I don't know. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to find out um, on this particular day. 
um, what's going to happen. And that's both exciting and obviously also there's some nerves with it. And I certainly felt all of that. And that felt good. Um, That felt fun um, because this is something that I get to do. And I've had to like fight to get to do it in some respect. I'm also super privileged that I'm able to get the running in and take a trip to California and be there um, for this long race that's going to take my entire day. Um, And I'm going to like make the most of the fact that I can do this right now because I know that things can change really quickly at any point and I might not be able to do this next month or next year or tomorrow even. Um, So I came in really like feeling a lot of that and And again, remembering my commitment to myself to really just embrace it as it is in the moment, embrace whatever comes with it. And um, like, I I don't want to say I didn't have any expectations because I feel like that sounds like sandbagging and that's not, that's not how this felt to me. Um, I, but I guess I just wasn't really thinking about like how I expected it to go or how I thought it might go. I I don't know. That was, that was just like not really in my realm of Mm -hmm. thinking or feeling or anything. It was really like trying to stay rooted in the moment as it came. So, um, so it was really exciting to me that I did get all the way to the finish line and, (laughs) and um, like, I get, I'm not saying that to like make it seem like, I'm minimizing the experience or like, uh, I don't know, but, but like, that was a huge, just exciting surprise to me to make it to the finish line. Um, Mm -hmm. especially because physically I could tell that I think like my, what my body was ready for that day was probably closer to like 50 ish miles. Um, which I think is often true in a long race. Like you, you know, the last 15 to 20% always feel like, okay, I've probably gone over my limit and now I'm just getting through on fumes and like, who knows what else. (laughs) Um, but I think like I could tell just from a postpartum standpoint that, um, because there were certain uh, weaknesses that really flared up after 50 miles that like I do attribute to, um, one thing, my C-section, like, uh, the sort of the anchor point in my, uh, incision anyway. Um, Mm. so, so it was those kind of things. And, and it wouldn't surprise me either, because even when you said, what was my training like leading up to it? Like I, I don't really qualify it as training, um, is more like, I take things really day by day and I run when I can, what feels like it'll be more energizing and life-giving than depleting. And I'm always trying to navigate that in, in the moment. And then like in the day, and sometimes, you know, the balance gets off of course. Um, but it also means like, I, I, I intentionally don't do a lot of hard running, um, like in my day to day because I don't want to like tip too far into mm-hmm. depletion zone um, with everything else that I have going on. So I think 
just from like a, a physical training standpoint, my, I didn't really prepare my body for like 62 miles. Um, I think I'm able to do it because of my long history in running mm-hmm. and just like a strength that I have. Um, but I definitely felt like, you know, the last 10 miles of things really not holding up well. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take us, take us through the race and you know, what it was like out there and what you were feeling. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, three of my really wonderful running friends in the Pacific Northwest were so generous to take the time out of their busy lives to go down to California with me, keep me company, which is most important of all, especially for (laughs) someone like me who gets really in my head. Um, and they're such dear friends and we have such great time together. And so honestly, hanging out with them was like the highlight of the weekend that I was, I even said to them, I was like, can we just like keep doing this? I don't really need to race tomorrow. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, but, and they also crewed me. So spending all that time with them was absolutely like the cake, the frosting, the ice cream, the cherry on top, the sprinkles. <laughs> um, and they brought me to the start line early in the morning and we made sure to like play the best pump up music, which is obviously Lizzo um, and Taylor <laughs> Swift. Um, and so I just like, I was so lucky to start that experience with so much positive energy. And I think that can make all the difference in your day. Um, and they were like my sunrise cause the race started before sunrise, but they were my sunrise. Um, and just set me up for success. So I, yes. So thank you, Liz, Caitlin, and Polly, like it meant everything to me to have them there. Um, and then once the race was off, it was many, many early miles of getting to like catch up with friends. Abby Levine and I spent several miles together chatting. That was wonderful. Um, Anna Mae, Jenny, I mean, there was Brittany, just like, and then I got to meet some new people like Meg Morgan. Um, it was just so fun. It was, it was, you know, kind of just like a lot of us, like kind of moving around throughout the first half and getting to catch up and just share positive energy with one another and, um, bring each other on along and, lift each other up. And, um, yeah, that, that was awesome. And then I did, I feel like by halfway, I was kind of on my own, um, for a pretty long stretch, like maybe 20 miles or something. Mm-hmm. I was more on my own. Um, and that was also really nice. Cause like, I also love running alone and getting that time to just think and just be and just take things as they come. Um, and then another highlight of the day was, so Leah passed me around mile. It was probably like 50 ish to 52, somewhere in there. And at that point I was feeling pretty depleted. Wasn't confident that, well, I, I just was like slowing down a lot and feeling really depleted. And then Leah passed me and looked so smooth and so strong. And she had all of this, like just this positive life force, um, that I feel like she like gave to me, just like gave it to me. And I was like, Whoa, 
okay, I need to like try to hang with her for a little bit. Not because I have any business running with her. Like she was very clearly going this direction and I was going this direction, but I was like, you know what? I love this woman. She's amazing. And she's being generous with her energy right now. And I'm just going to like be here with her for as long as I can. And take that because that's awesome. And so I somehow kind of hung with her for probably about two-ish miles. Um, And again, like I was the only way I had any ability to run with her at that point was because of her and what she was giving me. And so that was so cool. And just like that, those are the moments in racing that I really truly live for. And like, that's why I race for those moments of like connection and just powerful togetherness that I don't really know where I would get that in other parts of my life. Mm. Um, especially in the context of like the loneliness that can come with motherhood and isolation. And so like racing for me is a way to connect with myself, but also with others and like feel connection. So that was like the ultimate example of that connection in a race setting for me. And then it was so, it was even more fun to, to see that she ended up passing two more people and getting second and just having a phenomenal race and getting a golden ticket to Western States. And I am cheering so hard for her and I'm so excited for her. Um, and yeah, that was beautiful. So the last, <laughs> I do just, cause I think you, you were there, Nikki, the, the last three miles of that course were yeah. the most hilarious wildest experience I've ever had in a race because (laughs) it was a series of a million which is not an exaggeration a million (laughs) little mounds with dips (laughs) on the other side and I came to learn that I think it's like a um an ATV or like motorbike trail hence why it's like this but it was there was all this snow up there that had melted into these massive puddles so it was these little mounds followed by these deep puddles you had no idea how deep they were before like until you were in it they the puddles were ice cold because it was all freshly melting snow and there was snow all around the trail and so you couldn't try to go around it Um, your only option was going straight through it. Oh my gosh. Most of the puddles were like mid calf deep, but then some of them would randomly be like knee deep and you had no idea. And in the puddles, (laughs) there's like these pine needles and all this mud that's like getting into your shoe. My legs were completely numb because it was like an ice bath, which actually played in my favor because it sort of re-energized me and woke me up and my legs were numb. So I couldn't like feel how in pain they were. (laughs) So I was actually able to run, I think only because they were so numb, but it was hilarious. Like, I just, I couldn't believe that this was how we were going to like spend the last three miles. It was so funny. And, you know, people would finish and you could tell they had completely face face planted in these frozen puddles of mud snow, pine needles, ice, like, yeah. You know, Chase mentioned, he was like, I'm kind of worried about the people that are finishing really late in the race. Like, because it, because it was so cold. Hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope everybody was okay, but yeah, yeah. I didn't hear that anyone wasn't okay. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, I was 
I was thinking about that too, for sure. When it gets um, dark and cold. I mean, yeah. it was already freezing yeah. at like the warmest part of the day when yeah. we were finishing. So yeah. Yeah. That oh, was man. wild. <laughs> so um, you're like laughing through it though. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was like, there's nothing you can do, but laugh yeah. at this. It's so yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's kind of like that song, um, like the bear hunt song, like can't go around. Oh, yep. Can't go <laughs> over it. Gotta go through it. <laughs> that is exactly right. Yep. I didn't yeah. think of that at the time, but yep. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so what did it feel like finishing? What did it feel like finishing? It felt so good. Like I couldn't have been happier. It was such an amazing feeling. And I was so happy. I was so happy for Jasmine who not only won the race, but set a course record and just blew people's minds out there. Cause she's, I mean, she led start to finish, which is really difficult to do. Yeah. And she was completely running within herself from the sounds of it, which I totally believe because yeah. like I saw when I saw her at Chuckanut, I was like, wow, this woman is an incredible athlete. And I'm so excited to see everything that she does and like, and just such great energy and so warm and inclusive and just like a great person. So I was so over the moon excited for her with her win and the course record and getting the golden ticket to Western States. Yay. And then for Leah to finish second was so much fun. And Aroa was like such a class act out there. I don't know her super well. And we only got to spend like a minute together out mm -hmm. on the course. Um, but she just seeing how happy she was and she had come all the way from Europe with the goal of getting a golden ticket. So for her to have achieved that, I, I was just like so happy for her and the joy that all three of them were exuding was just like, Oh, this is the greatest. And, and I finished fourth, which I was so amazed by. And I feel like I really had the best race I could have had on that day. And how awesome that like I had the best race I could have. And these three other women, like no question asked, were like so much better. And so like had such a like amazing day. Um, so I don't know. I just like the whole thing was so great. <laughs> it yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like you just had a perfect day even if you didn't get a golden ticket were you kind of sad a little bit about not getting a golden ticket I don't know um <laughs> I don't I don't know if there was really any room for sadness like because you yeah I just felt so happy for Jasmine Leah Aroa and for myself like I genuinely felt so happy with finishing fourth and I don't know. I just like, I really didn't feel disappointed. Um, right. yeah. And you shouldn't, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, you can feel however you're going to feel <laughs> yeah. however you want to feel. And, yeah. but, um, I mean, that is so badass. 
such a good mm-hmm. race. Like you did incredible. Yeah. It was, it was such a great race. And it was so fun being out on those trails, especially on the section where I don't think I've ever actually run on most of that trail in daylight. Cause mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, the end of Western States. Um, but it was such a beautiful course. I was really blown away by how beautiful the course was. And it was such a gorgeous day. I mean, the weather could not have been better for us everything about it. And obviously that like, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like I didn't have difficult moments in the race because we all do. And that's Mm. part of the reason we do ultras Mm -hmm. is to see how we respond in those like really difficult moments of an ultra. Yeah, absolutely. So I had plenty of that. Um, and that's part of what made finishing so rewarding too, right? It's like, there were some low moments out there and look, I still made it to this finish. And, Mm -hmm. and here we are, like, I don't know. It was really great. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. You did so good. It's really exciting. And I just, I love, I love your spirit and like, you know, like we were talking about last time with competition and just bringing people along, you being brought along by others and, and feeding off of each other. And it's just, it's Mm -hmm. contagious. And makes me excited for like the next time I get to race and, you know, yeah, feel the connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you, oh, well, so then, um, tell us a little bit about the poison Oak. Oh boy. (laughs) And are you okay now? (laughs) Well, so I had a like pretty severe reaction to the poison Oak. I know that almost everyone I heard from had a reaction to some degree. Um, for me, it was all over, like all up and down my left leg, most of my right leg, and then also on my arms. And, um, and I had like these, like my entire quad was essentially akin to a, a burn, a burn. Um, so it was like just this open, raw, oozing wound. Um, my gosh. It was really intense. Um, so I did have to go to urgent care and I was prescribed an oral steroid. And unfortunately the first round of that (laughs) was not completely effective. So I had to go back on it because it came back as soon as I stopped the the steroid. Um, and so then I, I had like a longer taper, um, which was more effective. I still have some, um, it, it's almost now more like little chicken pox kind mm. of type rash um, that has reemerged since stopping the second round. Oh my gosh. Oh my of, gosh. Yeah. It's relentless. It is a bit relentless. Um, and I have another appointment next week just to check in with my primary care provider about it. Um, Cause <laughs> I know that this this allergen in particular, like it can take quite a while to resolve for some people. And so, you know, I, I can accept that. I I also just want to make sure that I'm not having like, that there's not something bigger going on that I need to be addressing, but I think it'll be fine. Um, it's just, yeah, it's been more of an ultra than the ultra was itself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And not as fun. No, it's, it tests you that's for sure yeah yeah I'm I'm glad it's like at least more bearable now than it was 
Oh, yeah. yes. And not as oozing, as, maybe. Yeah, exactly. As soon as I could start wearing pants, that was like a big turning point for me because not being able to wear pants when you have, you know, like a 16 month old. Oh is my really gosh. Difficult. I couldn't even imagine it, yeah. them like that, coming up to your legs. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was oh. tricky. Yeah, yeah it was tricky. Um, my family oh. helped me through it. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> Thank goodness. Do you, do you have anything coming up? I am racing CCC in Europe. So the UTM part of the UTMB really? festival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh, oh I gosh. didn't know that. That is amazing. That's so exciting. I'm super excited. Uh, are you all going over like your whole family? I think it'll just be me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that so nice. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited. Oh, that's oh, like my, my dream. I told Aaron I'm going to get over there before I'm 40. I hope you do. It's yeah. that I feel like I'm kind of on the same page as you. That was, it was, this has been something that I've been curious about for a couple of years. Well, you know, five or six years now. And this was my gift to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yes. I'm going to do it. Good. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome. That's so good. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And you've got summer training ahead, which will be nice. Mm -hmm. And oh, good for you. Cool. Well, we'll definitely uh, be watching. Yes. Thank you. How about you both? What do you, either of you have races coming up? Well, I have maybe, I think like a trail half marathon coming up in June. Awesome. Yeah. It's just a, it's a local one here in Bend. Um, but it's kind of, it's like one of the older ones, classic. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but not really, I have some like adventure run goals for awesome. this year. And then maybe like, I've got to find an ultra for like the fall, I think. Cool. But just for fun. But yeah. Love it. Yeah. And how I'm about doing, you? Uh, fall superior 50. Awesome. Yeah. Very I'm cool. Excited. Yeah. I love your hat. I was going to comment on that earlier. That was rock steady running's new thing. Now they're not doing t-shirts they're doing hats. So mm. nice. That's an awesome hat. Yeah, I know. I think so too. looks good. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's so pretty up there. I've just like, it is. We, I did a, well, it was supposed to be a 50 K ended up just being hill repeats because of flooding, but Aaron oh, and I slept in our car. We just like blew up a mattress. It was just him and I and I have a sunroof like in the back too. And like, we woke up and you could see all the stars and I'm like, this is amazing. Like we were only up there for less than 24 hours, but I'm like, I could live yeah, up there. That's I awesome. Should. Yeah. I should, I know <laughs> I want to, she's, she's looked at properties. So that's not at a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very familiar with that practice yes. of looking at properties <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> and dreaming. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's we're okay doing. To right dream. It's okay to dream. Yeah. It's good. It's <laughs> it good. is. Yep. Yeah. Very much. Cool. Uh, so. Well, Hadia, thank you so, so much for joining <laughs> yes. us again. This has been such a treat as always. You're yeah. such a joy. Yeah. Thank you. You both are such a joy. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. we could have kept talking all day. So oh, now yeah, we totally. just need to get together for a run and go on like a really long run yes. together. I agree. Seriously. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Please find your way to bend. Yeah. Oh, I will. And I will be there this summer. Visiting my let sister, me know so. when you're in Minnesota. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. 
I mean, just another great conversation with Ladia. I can't even in the beginning when she was like, sorry, I'm rambling. And I'm like, no, please keep talking. Like, I'll just listen <laughs> yeah. to you. <laughs> Nobody needs to hear us. Like, no. like just, just go, just do your thing. Yeah. Like, because that is mm-hmm. like, it's soul filling stuff. It is. Oh. And I feel like when I got on this podcast, I was very like haphazard and my brain mm-hmm. was just like going through everything that's on my to-do list. And now I'm like, okay, I'm at peace. Like whatever happens, happens. If I don't clean up before we leave, like whatever. What does it matter anyway? I know, exactly. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the moment for what it is. Yes. Boom. Yeah. Problem solved. I know. <laughs> Can we just have her on every week? Will she just be like a third ghost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing yeah she's so good so great yes um we hope you all enjoyed this as well ladia part two yeah um and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified whenever we have a new episode and you can also subscribe to treeline journals newsletter at treelinejournal.com and you can email us at runhardmomhard at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at runhardmomhardpod, or you can leave us a voice message using the anchor link in the show notes below. And don't forget to go to treelinecoffee.com and get your run hard mom hard blend called You Got This and use code runhard10 for 10% off. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We hope you all are well. And that you're able to find a way to embrace where you're at. Um, love yourself a little bit more than maybe you were before you started listening to this podcast today. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you got this. <laughs> <laughs>